Hello, I'm Leslie Dudley Corbell, and I'm Diane Doucette Matthews. Welcome to The Mind of a Child. We're so glad you've joined us for today's conversation. We received a listener question about something that's prompted a lot of reflection and a lot of conversation between the two of us, so I'm glad y'all are going to get to be a part of it. Yes, we did get the opportunity to reminisce, and you'll understand when I read the question. So here it goes. Any advice for navigating the dynamics in friendships as girls get older? What's the balance between giving advice slash staying neutral and calm? So as a child, when thinking about my friendships, you know, I had neighborhood friends. I had a best friend that lived next door. I had another friend that lived across the street. And I had another friend that lived three or four blocks away Mm -hmm. where um, I would ride my bike to visit her. And so my family wasn't really involved in setting those up. These were girls I had met in the neighborhood and at school. And we, we just had a great time playing together. Then in my teenage and college years, I had friends, but I didn't really have a close group of friends throughout those, especially college and into my 20s. In my 20s, I really kind of became the the facilitator for gatherings, Mm -hmm. and I would get some friends from my triathlon group together and some friend from my arts group together, and we'd go see the movies. Mm. So I never was really tied to any one group. I went back and forth a lot. I didn't have meaningful friendships until my adult years, right? as far as that goes. But the funny thing is, in college, I was the homecoming queen. Hmm. Here I was, the homecoming queen. I didn't have a date to the homecoming game. (laughs) I didn't have a date to the homecoming ball. I Hmm. basically went with an acquaintance. Wow. And so although I knew a lot of people and was acquainted with a lot of people, I really didn't have that friend to go with me to something. So that deep friendship was missing. But obviously, a lot of people really liked you, Leslie. I smiled a lot. And I knew their- <laughs> you smiled and were kind. And I, and, well, and I knew their name. Congratulations. <laughs> and you knew their name. That's yes. very important. Very important. Well, a lot like you growing up. I had different groups, which was good. What I didn't do was bring them together. But one thing I did have was a best friend when I was younger. And she uh, was a year older than I was and went to a different school. But our families were real close. So we did a lot together. But when it was time to go to high school, she went a year before I did and got involved with a group that drove. Well, she left me in the dust. And so, you know, at the time... I was sad, but I think it worked out for the better of me later on because then I was, it was easier for me to find out who I was just independently, just who I am. So let's talk about our daughters. Yeah. So thinking about Madeline, when she was an an elementary student, I remember one time, I don't remember what prompted the conversation, but I remember her school counselor telling me, she just noticed, she said, Madeline is really independent and she seems to be more interested in the activity rather than in a group of friends. Mm. And so if Madeline wanted to play something at recess, Madeline was going to play what she wanted to do on at recess. And then if some other children wanted to join her in that play, she was very happy for them to join. But she wasn't necessarily going to follow a group of people just to be with that group, regardless of what they were doing. And so the counselor was pointing out that she thought that was a really good protective factor as Madeline would be growing up to resist things like peer pressure. So I think that's a good thing to think about is helping children 
identify activities and letting them be involved in those activities Hmm. and let friendships come out of those rather than pursuing a group or a specific individual to be a friend with. That's great advice. With Courtney, when she was younger, I did notice one relationship that Courtney was pursuing, I thought, in an unhealthy way, and it was just a one-on-one relationship, and this person was influencing her not in a negative way, but just had almost too much power over her, if you know what I mean, and it was consuming her. And so uh, I remember having some conversations with her, and my phrase was, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so early on, the idea for me communicating with Courtney was there's so many people out there and girls that are wonderful to be a friend with and for you to contribute to their lives and for them to contribute to your life, you know. So I remember it being a conversation early on in her development. It speaks to that whole idea about helping our children become good friends. Yeah, and, you know, she really took it to heart. I mean, if you if you knew Courtney, oh, my goodness, she loved meeting new people and loved including people. So that was just a good thing for her, just mm-hmm. to kind of open her eyes and look out on the horizon and see all the opportunities. This episode of The Mind of a Child is brought to you by Duncan and Stone, makers of keepsake journals that help you capture your family's favorite memories. With simple guided prompts and plenty of space for photos, and I took so many pictures of my kids, Duncan and Stone's journals help you easily organize life's special moments. As a mother of two, I know how quickly time flies, and I really thought I'd remember everything that happened. I wish so badly that something like this existed when my children were growing up. One of my absolutely favorite products of Duncan and Stone is their Dear Son and Dear Daughter journals. These journals help you pray over your child each year while also capturing your favorite memories together so that by the time they turn 18, you have an entire childhood worth of memories all stored in one place and not all over the house. Not only are Duncan and Stone's journals beautifully designed, I love the cream one especially. They're also heirloom quality, meaning everything about them was chosen to last for generations. You can check out all of Duncan and Stone's products online at duncanandstone.com or follow the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. So it was really interesting to me when we started this conversation about friendships and we want to answer this question that came to us, but just thinking about the reason of friendships. Why do we have friends and why do we even have friendships? I think if we kind of explore that a little bit, Mm -hmm. then we can get to a point where we understand how we can approach our children's friendships. Mm -hmm. It puts a different perspective on it, really. At least it did for me. Right. And so I think about, you know, why do we have friends? Adam in the garden, alone, and God says... It's not good for you to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he gives him a wife. Then those friendships grew into families. Those were the first context of these social supportive relationships were these families Mm -hmm. that helped one another. And I think this was the goodness of God in giving us those because he knew that life would be hard and they would need one another to encourage one another and to support one another and to live side by side. And so that was a friendship really was a beautiful gift. And it's just what you just said. To build each other up, to encourage, to, oh my goodness, support. 
Show compassion. I mean, just the whole dynamics. We're going to go mm-hmm. through in a little bit all the one another's. I mean, there's how many? 59 one another's in the Bible. So we obviously need one another. We need community. We need friendships. So how do we go about passing that on to our children? And like the question is, developing that in our little girls, because it can be very traumatic with little girls' friendships. It, it can be. And I think, too, we take that same idea and start looking at, okay, friendship gatherings. What was the biblical person mm-hmm. for friendship gatherings? Let's think about with the Jewish people had the festivals. And while, yes. what were the purpose of the festivals? To remember God's faithfulness, to remember his goodness, to celebrate him, to worship him, to praise right. him. Right. So this idea of friendship being something to have a relationship, support, and encourage one another, and then these gatherings of friends were centered around God. So let's talk a little bit more about the difference on how our culture looks at friends, or even when they're younger, how they pick their friends based on maybe who has the coolest looking hair or who's the best athlete, you know, in the verse that we found that's just so perfect for this. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's 1 Samuel 16, 7. So I'm going to read the question again, and then we have some suggestions that we think would help you navigate this. Any advice for navigating the dynamics in friendships as girls get older? What's the balance between giving advice slash staying neutral? So my first piece is to listen to your child first. Mm. Don't attach your judgment to their experience. Don't take it personally and filter it through your own lens. Simply listen to them and hear their feelings on this and validate their feelings. So you're talking about if they come to you with a a grievance. Yes. something's going on, they're upset, they're sharing it with you. You're saying just... Just listen. Just listen. Yeah. And if it's something that maybe they're not coming to you with, but something you noticed, you could always say, I noticed or I saw, how was that for you? You yeah. know, you could inquire as to their experience. Yeah, not jump to conclusions. Do not jump to conclusions. Because how easy it was for me when Courtney would be upset and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to have to get that girl back. Yeah. But when we do it that, we're taking the child's experience as our own experience. As our own experience. And it's not about us. Yes. It's about their experience at the moment. And as we go down this, you'll see we want to teach our children to solve these problems themselves. Another thing they ask in that question is, you know, what's the line between giving advice and staying neutral? So I would always recommend um, only give advice if it's asked for. Mm -hmm. Really fall back to the listening side of that a whole lot more than the giving advice. Yes, because they're talking here about an older child. But when we're talking about a young toddler, you are speaking and training and teaching them. So you are giving advice. But in this situation, when there's a problem, uh, definitely. Stay calm, composed. Yes. Be humbly considerate Mm. of the child. Mm -hmm give compassion and patience. Yes. Give lots patience. of patience in yes. that moment. And as we've said many times before, we've talked about praying, taking deep breath before speaking, and as you said, refrain from jumping to conclusions. Yes, yes. So you have a toddler, and they're playing together with other toddlers, and you see your daughter hit another child or vice versa. 
call your daughter over to you and explain to them what just happened. You know, they did something that they shouldn't have and that they're going to go over and talk to that child to solve these issues. To teach the children the skills themselves. And sometimes that takes practice. So if you have a child that's going to confront another child, and let's say they're in elementary school or even preschool, helping them practice those words. I don't like it when you do this. Stop. I don't like it. You know, helping them express limits and boundaries. Our third child, David, had a problem at school. Somebody was kind of bullying him and actually was spitting on him. I mean, he was really young, like maybe kindergarten, first grade. I really can't remember, but it was young. And he was upset about it, and I wasn't going to handle it myself. I was going to teach him how to do it. So we practiced in the mirror how David could, you know, get that real stern look on his face and just say, stop it. Don't do that again, you know, and we practiced it quite a bit, but he went back to school and he did it and that little boy never did it to him again. So it's just like what you said, practice and teach him how to do things like that. I think that is always the best because we don't want to make our children out to be victims of, mm-hmm. of another child's aggression or another child's intrusion. We want to give them the skills and the confidence to handle that themselves. I think it's also important to pray for the other child, not to see them with judgment, but to Mm -hmm. help your child see them with grace as well, not take their actions personally. It's a sign of something going on with them Mm -hmm. that they're Mm -hmm. dealing with. And it doesn't excuse it, but it helps your child not be a victim to it. Mm -hmm. And that gives them a little more control over what they can control within the relationship rather than relying on the other person. I'm thinking back to our family being a very social family and how to teach and model that within a family. So um, invite your children's friends over regularly. Be the home where gatherings happen. Even at school or at church, encourage relationships. I can think about times when I've maybe encouraged a friendship for my children, and later on they were like, this was going on. I didn't really want to be their friends, but mm. they may have information or may, there may be reasons they're not comfortable being that child's yeah. friend or maybe something going on that they're aware of. So don't force friends and don't push friendships, but encourage your children to know what a healthy friendship looks like mm-hmm. and teach that to them. Build that up in them. Yes. I think that's really important. And like you said, listen. So you can't listen if you're not present. And <laughs> we talk about mm-hmm. that all the time. Be present with your kids. Listen. Include one more person. hmm Hans had a cell group, that, and that was one of their mottos. There's always room for one more. Mm-hmm. And this speaks to that other point that we were making about friendships being centered around God mm-hmm. and bringing in that as a foundation for the friendships, for those deeper, richer, more satisfying friendships mm-hmm. where you can be authentic and really meet people on the spiritual level and talk. Mm-hmm. That group of boys that had that motto of there's always room for one more that met together to have these authentic conversations they still have the deepest friendships. And this goes back, oh, 10, 15 years and still supportive and encouraging. They would be there for the other one in a moment. I mean, that's what it's all about, bottom line. Well, we're going to close with what Jesus said in John 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, and like we mentioned earlier, there are 59 one another verses in the New Testament. So Leslie picked two just to end with, and I picked two to end with. So Leslie, you want to read your two? Be at peace with each other. 
Mark 9:50. Accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you. Romans 15 verse 7. <laughs> I like that one so much, Diane, <laughs> that I went with one of the same ones that you did. Okay, well, then we'll just double your pleasure on yes. that one. And then I'll move on to my last one. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Leslie, I'm glad you're my friend. I'm glad you're my friend, <laughs> Diane. We hope that this episode, talking about what the purpose is of a biblical friendship, we hope that you feel encouraged by that and kind of help reframe your perspective on friendships and give you sort of an understanding and a wisdom then when you're supporting your child. That's right. Thank you. Lord, we just pray right now that you would help us be good, godly friends to the people that you've put in our lives and that we would teach those around us by our actions and our words. And it's in your precious name we pray. Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Check out our Instagram at the mind of a child pod, or you can email us at the mind of a child podcast at gmail.com.